version 2.0. This is Nick. And this is episode number 220. With me tonight, I have Jesse and Justin. What's up, dude? What's up? What's going on, dude? You like that? A little bit, little bit of pizzazz? Hey-o! Do I, good. Do I get a couple pieces of flair for that? Yeah, a I guess. A of flair, a few points it's back. It's better than the, good evening, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. ah, well, sip my tea. Please Good. get out your cigars and brandy. I'm glad I can uh, up the game. That's what we do, right? Yeah, kinda. Kind. Pff, speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> eh. 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 So, Justin. What? Yeah, I'm gonna take it by your response that your week was kind of meh. Yeah, that's why my up the game comment came off as it did. <laughs> I'm, I'm not about to up the game. No. Uh, I uh, I got a no fly. Oh, no. Hey, wait a minute. I haven't done that in a while. No fly. Yeah, I, I'm dying here, man. Like a combination of the weather. And I know we, we go through this every year. It's so aggravating to me. Uh, and it's even worse when you get that in combination with crappy work. So work has been super rough lately, and I've talked to you guys about that. I won't go into it here, but bottom line is that I haven't had all that much time to do anything outside of work, and another week has come and gone, and this is my short week with my day off tomorrow, which is Friday. We're recording Thursday night, and I will be working tomorrow. I was just going to say, are you actually getting your day off? No, I'm not, and I'll be working Saturday, and I'll be working Sunday. Just like I have pretty much since Christmas. So, you know, you combine that with, as you guys know, horrible freaking weather. And there's not much left uh, for me to for me to do. Uh, we had a couple of good days last weekend. Of course, I was working, so that didn't help at all. Didn't even get a chance to get the Goblin 380 out. Now, in fairness... I was so aggravated about what had gone down at work last weekend that I wasn't even interested in going out. I was talking to Nick on the phone, and I'm like, dude, it's nice out right now. There's no reason why I shouldn't be out flying, and I'm not going to do it. You guys ever had one of those days where you're just like, it is eating at me that I'm not out there at the field, but mm -hmm. you just know you're not in the right frame of mind. Uh, you know, you get in that sort of mental funk and you know that even if you go out there and try to have fun, you're not going to be focused and then you're going to do something stupid. And if you drive it in, you've now turned a bad day into pretty much the shittiest day you can come up with. Right. <laughs> because nothing else is going right. And you just drove in your heli. 
and you don't have time to go and fix it. Yeah. <laughs> so Even I was worse. like, you know, I'm just going to stare out the window, you know, kind of think of flying i got on the sim a little bit but didn't even really have the motivation for that and so i kind of sat there in the few minutes that i had to to relax and do non-work crap and uh sort of plucked away at the tech tip uh yes you know which tech tip the, i'm referring to the it's, tech it's tip. been going on so long now you just have the tech tip well, it, and and it seems like you know I kind of went over my notes. I I keep a uh, keep notes for the podcast stuff over what we've done over the years, and you know, uh, various things. And it seems like once a year I have that thing. You know, like it's usually a tech tip. Sometimes it's a review that's just going longer than I wanted it to. Yeah, and trailer uh, video. Oh yeah, actually, yep. Nick, you do get it. Yeah, oh, I get oh, it. My I very friend, you get, get it. it. And you keep saying, "I'm gonna get this done. I'm gonna get this done." You start saying it so much to the listeners, you you actually believe yourself. But <laughs> but you, you <laughs> silly, haven't even silly man. I'm not right. gonna get this done. I you, you <laughs> just you haven't gotten far enough to convince yourself that there's light at the end of the tunnel. But. You know, uh, the other thing I, I got to complain about here while I'm on it, and I, I'm hoping you guys can bring up the mood after this because I'm feeling like I'm bringing it down. Just Nick, let it out. Nick, you have douched me, dude. I have? Yes. Mm. Oh. Do you know why? Uh, because you no. have done those stupid videos that are awesome, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. This is like, first of all, they're great. I mean, they're super useful. They're quick and easy. There's no edit, which I absolutely love. Yes. Because the few yep. videos I've done, you know, like speed flying videos and stuff, I put a lot of effort into those edits. And it is fun, but it's sort of a labor of love thing. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because you don't do it enough to get good at it. So it's like every time That's, you yeah. go to do one, you feel like it's your first time again. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Now, how the hell did I do that one thing last time? I know I got it where the title shot across the screen. Yeah, yeah, And you yeah. try it like five times before you get it right. So these videos are freaking awesome. And as you guys know, the response on them has been great. And so, and there are a couple of guys that posted up there saying, you know, good job, Nick. I wonder if the other guys are going to follow suit. Uh, I think it's an awesome idea. I have an iPhone 6. And I even have a little camera tripod for it that I use to do the Gowie unboxing video. So I think I'm going to sit down and give it a try. And not only because I like how quick and easy it is, but also because I feel like I might be able to use that to my advantage when there are more complex tech tips that maybe I haven't had the time to sit down and write up, and I will, but to kind of get the concepts out there quickly so that people can can feel like they're getting some of that information, but they haven't gotten the whole written portion yet. Dude, I'm for sure. I mean, I'm going to probably end up doing I don't know if they I would say like the video ones will replace the written tech tips because that's no, no, not no, no, always no. the place. But a lot of them, I would not do a tech tip. Unless I was doing it as a as a video, because it's just you can't put. It's really hard to put it into words. I can show or, you, yeah, 
Uh, well, there are a easier. lot of times where, I mean, we're always tinkering around with crap and coming up with new and interesting ways to do things or fix things or modify things. And a lot of times I feel like, wow, this would be an awesome tech tip, but I just don't have the time to sit down, get it all organized, take the photographs. You know, you got to do the step by step so you can't do it quickly. Mm-hmm. Whereas yep. with the video, you just set it up. You kind of think through what your game plan is, and then you just do it in real time. Yeah. Yeah. That's freaking badass. So that has actually restored a little bit of excitement and hope for getting that information out a little bit more rapidly mm-hmm. uh, and not feeling bogged down by having to write a novel. Because that's the other thing. I mean, you, you, you guys know, but I am super particular about what I write. No, I don't just <laughs> you, write shit. No, <laughs> I mean, it'll take me 10 or 15 minutes to compose an email if there's any content worth talking about in it. See, and that's that's the problem. That's that's why you don't you, you get so far behind. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's absolutely true, dude. I have identified the problem. And the I number understand. of emails that I haven't responded to are growing. I'm trying. I promise. And then the Facebook Messenger is really awesome. Actually, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because it's a lot easier to get in contact with people and Mm -hmm. respond quickly, right? Writing an email just like a tech tip is kind of like making a phone call. Uh, You know, call me crazy and not old-fashioned, but I don't like to commit to phone calls because (laughs) you don't just pick up the phone and be like, Dude, Nick, what was the capacity of that battery? 5,000 milliamps? Okay, sweet. Bye. Yeah. Right? So the Facebook Messenger helps make it quick, but uh, but it also makes it such that you get more people accessing you. And so it's all good. We'll get through it. I just got to get past this uh, this huge burst of work. And then uh, back in the groove it, on some good weather. Is there light at the end of the tunnel? What, for that, work? Yeah, that you can see? Or is it just now until the foreseeable future? Realistically, my guess it's probably not going to happen until sometime in March. Mm. I think in the very least it's going to be similar to this for all of February. Gotcha. But we'll see. Yeah. It's better than having the opposite problem, which is nothing to do. Yeah, no work. Yeah, so let's see. In terms of projects and stuff like that, um, I'm thinking actually that in finalizing the tech tip, Nick is going to get a benefit out of this because I'm going to end up building another discharger. Woohoo! And he's been wanting one, so maybe I'll just build you a discharger and yours will be the uh, the tech tip discharger. Yes! Nice. I like this. Hurry yeah. up. Yeah. And messing around with some Arduino projects still. Mark beat me on the RFID integration with Jetty. So now Mark and Alistair have that. I've got all the parts. I just haven't had an opportunity like everything else to sit down and actually get it done. So that uh, that kind of sucks. But And then working on uh, MHSFA. Trying to get get stuff organized there. Mustafa, Mustafa, Mustafa.
When building a new helicopter, it is a relief to know that I don't need to worry about what brand of servos I'm going to use. Now that I have hundreds of flights on multiple sets of BK servos, I have no problem running them on any heli and recommending them to anyone. For me, they bring everything to the table that I need in a set of servos. Strength, speed, cost, and of course, looks. With the sexy machined aluminum cases and affordable gear sets, I definitely know which servos are going on my next heli. Check them out at bkservo.com. Jesse, nice. can you can Yo. you be a little bit more positive? Come on, Jesse. You I'm got this, take buddy. You got one this. One step up. Did you fly? Not two steps, one step. <laughs> oh. <laughs> One intermediate step. No, I I did not get out and fly. Um, and surprisingly enough, this last weekend, it wasn't fully because of the weather. Um, there was opportunities. I just had made other prior commitments, and uh, yeah, basically, you know, kind of stupid. Bowl. It, <coughs> stupid bowl. No, I actually didn't watch the game. Oh, really? No, I watched like half of one quarter. That was about it for the game. Um, but you know, it was one of those things where, ah, the weather's not looking good. You kind of feel your, your weekend just kind of fills up and before you know it, you know, the weekend's full and then, oh crap, the sun's out and Kayla's going, yeah, but we have this that you already said you do on Wednesday. (laughs) So is what it is flying aside. I still think it was a pretty solid heli week though. Um, I did 100% completely finish like ready to plug in a battery set it down calibrate the speed controller and fly the thing the protus is ready to go yeah um, so wait so you did fly it no it's it's 100 ready to like plug it in walk out there set it down calibrate it plug it in fly it yeah you know what's bad about this justin what i am somehow now missing one speed controller yeah, so funny thing, you notice I said calibrate. Oh. You don't really need to calibrate uh castle speed controllers, which was uh which was on there and you know, wired in and completely done with custom made servo lengths and all the crimping and soldering and the, the everything that comes with comes with that. And also I, I you know, last Saturday night, after I got done with doing stuff all day, I shot Nick a text. I'm like, Hey, you wanna work on a heli for a little bit so about eight o'clock saturday night headed went over to nick's house and well someone had a spare uh hobby wing 160 sitting <laughs> yeah. there on his bench yeah on friday i'm like a spare or were you forced to lend it well i i'm on friday i'm like oh i love it man i got a ton of parts that are showing up and then it was like oh did that spare speed controller show up I was like, yeah, actually it did. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, dude doesn't touch that heli for weeks and weeks. And then it's just like, Foom, fly on shit the next day. Foom, I'll oh, be over. whatever. <laughs> Didn't touch it for weeks and weeks. <laughs> whatever. No, it it worked out good. There, there might be a little more to the story than that. But it was, uh, in the end, Hobby Wing 160, baby, sitting on the heli. Damn. So Looks I got to say, man, on there. overall, it does the... It's a lot bigger um, than the 
Castle 120. Does it like, make you feel like, like a man, bigger. Jesse? Because I know that that Castle 120 it felt inadequate some, sitting on top it's of got that massive belly. Justin, it's got yeah. girth. Did you put a fan Wait. on it? I did not put a fan on it. With how big it is, I can. it has enough surface area to dissipate, I think, all the heat I can build. You it. think so? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it, it is going to end up. So one of the things I was really curious about personally is coming from, you know, I'd had the, the Castle 120 with the little scorpion fan on there and then a small 850 milliamp receiver pack so i was going hmm this has you know it's, it's definitely a bigger footprint on the helicopter but built in bec so get rid of the receiver pack and i think all in all when we ended up weighing the castle 120 the fan and the and the uh, receiver pack I think this is going to be, was it 85 to 90 grams Somewhere heavier? Somewhere around 90 grams heavier. 90 grams heavier for the Hobbywing 160. Yeah. But, dude, so, Justin, remember how last week he said something about those, uh, you know, how do you support 20 gauge or whatever it was, wires coming out of the battery? Yep. Dude. That oh, would have been fine. Sketchy. Totally oh, sketchy. Shut up. Yeah. And fine. No. What what okay, hold on. What do Dude. you mean it's sketchy? What about it? So he got these what are those? Like I got them from this was it I'm trying to remember back uh, the sagebrush, I think. Or Snohomish. Got these little uh two cell receiver packs. Kind of off. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't even like they're it's basically they should have a servo lead on them. It it's like twenty gauge. Do I'm they have a servo lead on them? No, well, it had the just a little JST, so basically, you know, rated for, oh, I think they're twenty five C. Yeah, I mean uh, the packs. What fine, is the capacity? But eight fifty. Eight fifty. So we little guy. Now what? B- what are you using that for? <laughs> a receiver, like a a true receiver pack, a not like a buffer pack, pack or like a one hundred percent true receiver pack. Why the hell are you using an eight fifty? Wait, the Protus is a little heavier. What happened to the BEC in the Hobby Wing? No, no that no. was my previous setup. Previously, we're with talking the castle. about pre Hobby Wing. Yeah, so I was going to run the castle speed controller with that receiver pack. And I saw To try it, to keep it light. And then was like... Why I, you know, would you not have run an external BEC? Because I had a perfectly good receiver pack. Not perfectly good. You had a receiver you pack. You had a mediocre at best receiver it pack. It would have worked. It would have worked. For a little while. No, yeah. it would have worked. Exactly. Exactly. Right. It How long worked. do you think it'll work? Mm, right up until the scene of the crash. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, whatever. You know, ju- it's maybe not I'll a unsolder until the, it is. the Hobby Wing BEC just to prove you wrong. Oh, God. <laughs> no, it looks clean. No, that, that's not fair because when it goes down, it's going to damage Nick's Hobby Wing. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, no, it, it, it looks good. The Hobby Wing fits on there great. Definitely a lot bigger, but still with the, with the size of the helicopter, it still looks really proportional. And you had um, mentioned that you were, you had kind of wanted to go, like run seven tens on the heli anyway. Definitely and up I mean, to seven tens. No way. Potentially, you were not going to do that with that one twenty. No, probably not. No seven tens at like twenty one hundred. Well, I'm really yeah, and I'm really curious where the head speed's going to come out. I what I I really need to get it on the scale because saying oh it's a little bit heavy, I'm still just going off what I've read online. So that's not based on my personal data yet um 
which I can do that this weekend, just throw it on the scale to get an actual starting point. Um, but yeah, so overall, you know, trimmed it up, made the wiring as clean as I could. I ended up using some female bullet connectors in between the speed controller and the current sensor for the, uh, v- the V-bar current sensor. So basically just took one connector and soldered the current sensor into one end and the speed controller into the other. So it's not unpluggable, but just kind of as a coupling. Um, so use that, you know, made it as, as clean as I could and yeah, looks, looks good up there. So that is 100%, um, ready to go. We'll see if I'm, I'm really not holding my breath for this weekend. I don't know if you guys have looked at the weather, but oh, it's kind of yeah, it's depressing. Yep. What, what makes it even more depressing is after, I mean, the weather wasn't great last weekend. It was, it was mediocre. There was definitely opportunities to fly. But after that weekend, you go back to work Monday and Tuesday, and what is it? Not a cloud in the sky, 60 degrees, and I'm sitting at work just going, oh yep. my goodness, I think, I, I think I'm getting an eye infection or something. <laughs> <laughs> Start coughing or doing something, but no, we'll see. And then the last thing that I did this week is I've really started, I've been doing a lot of shopping and I've started kind of looking at some heli trailers, running oh, some yes. numbers, running some setups, looking at lots of different sites, um, kind of different sizes. Right now, I'm really leaning towards the 6x12 or a 7x12 um, heli trailer. So going, you know, I'd, I'd call that a pretty medium, if not a little bit larger um, trailer size to go with. I really kind of want that heli workshop feel. Um definitely not as big as the one uh, Nick has right now, but I'm also not using it for all the things Nick does, you know, with the podcasts and all that type of stuff. So I think with just set up as a heli workshop, I think a seven by 12 would be a pretty sweet size. Yeah. Oh, so I think it's a stinking great size. You know, and keep keeping it light. I think that's my main thing right now is, you know, I'm not concerned going out to the field on the normal weekend. My, you know, three quarter ton truck. It's it's not even going to be an issue there. It's thinking about when I want to go to a fun fly, and it's up and over the pass, heading to Othello or Spokane, you know, places like that. So definitely keeping the weight in mind um, on the trailer. But no, I've started you know pricing out a couple things, and I I honestly think I'll have to go with because one of the main things I I noticed with your original trailer that you had, Nick, that Dan has now, that six by ten, is the height. I could. Honestly, it would drive me absolutely nuts to have to have a heli trailer. That's I think that one's about six foot inside. Yes, yeah, yeah. Six two, six one. I feel like it wouldn't be as bad as you dude, think that it would. Dude, be. you're how tall are you? I know. Okay, but well, what are you <laughs> going to be doing? Running laps in there, like little jazzer <laughs> size, I'll just little P ninety X in, in the morning or what, dude? I'll jump just, rope, I guarantee dude, you, jump I'll be rope. smacking my head on stuff. We'll sit down and work How on something. How tall are you then. again, Jesse? Six four. Holy shit! Just, I mean, yeah, I'm just shy of six four. So it's, I mean, the six one. I think yours might even be might have been six foot inside. You throw a little, you know, some carpet or a t- tiling or whatever you want to like, do for the floor. Yeah, mine was right at about six foot. Dude, that's a four inches is huge. I mean, you stand up, you smash your head on the ceiling. <laughs> so I, you know, that's why I was, I'm really looking at the kind of 
getting one built. Um, and there's, you know, multiple different websites where you can kind of go on, customize your trailer and add six inches or 12 inches of extra height. And that's definitely, that's right up there at the top of my list for getting done. Especially I'm thinking of this as a pretty long-term investment, um, as well. So if I'm going to do it, it's like, sure, I agree with you. I could probably get by with a six foot interior height trailer, but is it worth the extra? I want to say it was 400 bucks or something to stretch it like 12 inches. So it's like 400 bucks. Heck yeah, that's worth 400 bucks to me, especially if I plan on keeping it for five, six, seven, you know, who knows how many years. So a little bit of money up front, I think for a long-term benefit and gain. So we shall see, but yeah, I've been doing a couple, you know, sketches, layouts, just kind of seeing how stuff would fit. If I had you know, six foot wide, how much room would I have in the middle, hanging the helis on one side with the bench down the other and just working through some of the logistics, getting it priced up and should have it done about September. Oh, shut up. That's where I'm at, dude. I'm with you, Jesse. September? Yeah. yeah. No, it, I mean, it's definitely going to be, a, you know, going with new, it will be a little bit more expensive, but looking, you know, from looking at Craigslist and stuff, people are pretty proud of their used cargo trailers. Oh, yeah, dude. That's I why mean, I've decided that when I do buy mine, I will buy new. I mean, people, because, they yeah, hold their value ridiculous. extremely well. And well, they think it, they hold their value extremely well. I don't know if anyone's actually paying that shit. Yeah, I mean, they might be offering them less once they go look at them, but I've I've seen them pop up and get taken down, so I'd, I'd assume people true, are buying true. them. Um, and then I can't, you know, most of the time, 7 by 12 in is, isn't a super common size, for one. A lot of them are a double axle, which I don't need, just based on the weight and what I'm actually going to put in it and do with it. And then you're not going to get the extra height, so there's a lot of reasons why it makes sense to just kind of buck up, spend a little bit extra money, and get a new one, so... We'll see, but that's def- that's a project that you know start putting the funds away, and want- once the money's there, I really want to pull the trigger, and I'm definitely shooting for before Othello on that one. So it's sne- it's it's gonna sneak up on us, so don't want to wait too long. Other than that, though, that's that's what I've been up to this week. Get out and fly that thing. It's an, it's so. What do you think? Dude, I-, I mean, I think it's act- I think it's a really cool heli. I honestly, I, I love it. I'm really excited to get it flying, start putting it through the paces, and then I just, what I foresee for that heli is it just kind of falling into that, I don't know, more more or less like a beater heli, you know? The, the parts prices are really reasonable. From what I've heard, I'm really hoping it flies just awesome. And, you know, there's lots of opportunity to, you can stretch it, um, some upgrades, and you know, I've just been really impressed with the stuff that they keep coming out with for the helicopter. So I have high hopes. I've got an important question. How do you like the canopy? I absolutely love the canopy. And Nick got to experience what about the, its the magnets capabilities. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, the magnets? Yes, those aren't coming off in flight. No, or they'll take they'll take your finger off. Or when you want to get the battery out, either. Or hardly come on. Like I said, there's a there's a trick. Nick, I set it on the bench. Nick went to pull the canopy off. He pulls on it. The canopy. It's a pretty flexible light canopy. It the canopy starts flexing way out, and he's like, "Oh crap!" Like, you know, oh, it's gonna crack or do something, and then he just stops. He's like, 
can't get the canopy off. And so you, you really do just kind of have to yank it off. The canopy is really flexible. Uh, I haven't had any paint cracking or anything like that. So it's a little bit of a. Well, it's hard because it's like you pop it. the back ones off, right? And then and you're like, the front ones. And you go to slide your hands down to the front ones and you get and the, the back, back ones pop yeah. back well, on. You can, you can literally just, you know, one hand with the canopy off, just grab the canopy by the nose and start hovering it back over the helicopter and it just snaps right into place. Dude, it sucks it on. I mean, make sure your fingers aren't in the way. Like Jedi type shit. <laughs> I had so no. a set of those, and I don't know where... Now, I'm sure they're not as strong as the one that you're talking about, because I did see it at the RCHN Funfly, and it was scary strong. But um, I had a set that I had on my... What was it? I think it was my Whiplash Nitro, and I think it came with the heli because I bought it used. Uh, they were so freaking powerful. If you got your finger stuck in there, it would pinch your finger and leave you mm-hmm. with like a blood blister. Yeah, they're these are I, I don't they're know. They're crazy. They're they, I mean, sounds like yeah, they're at that same level. So I'm not I'm not even slightly concerned about it coming off. Cool. Well, best of luck to you. We'll see. I'm I'm thinking at this point it may have been better to build a submarine than a helicopter with all the rain, but We'll see. <laughs> you just got to want it bad. Good Blade has personality, has soul, has attitude, has performance, and it's got character. When you finally find that blade, there's a connection. There's no better feeling than being able to get that blade and find sizes for all your helicopters. That's why switchblades just make sense. No shopping for one set of blades over here, then the other set of blades over there. One brand, one stop. All sizes. Make the switch. When you're ready to make the switch, go to www.bkdesignsllc.com to find sizes for all your helicopters. Well, I had a good week. My week. Yeah, let's, let's move on to... The hero. Yeah, that's right. Save us. Positive. Nothing but positive. If if I got more positive, people start calling me Charlie Sheen. I had a wonderful, wonderful week. (laughs) (laughs) That was really dull. You got it. I mean, seriously. (laughs) What? I had to pause for a second to see whether that just happened, and it did. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we, we went there. But no, it was man. I uh, I gotta tell you that getting that, you know, Satinder helping with the trailer video, getting that done, that was what I needed. Justin, that you know what that project that just daunts you. Yep. Well, it set more in motion than I had any idea would ever happen. And then on top of that, you know, this is non heli related, but I listen to a lot of podcasts. Anyway, completely non, you know, non-heli related. Uh, some photography ones and um, and also another one, Mac Power users. I don't know if you guys listen to that one. Love it. Anyway, it seems like all of them have been flo- focused on workflow and productivity. And I think getting that done really got me motivated 
And then I spent time investing on making my own personal workflow a lot better and staying on track and organization, utilizing all of these, you know, we're all kind of tech dorks here. And we have yep. all of these things at our fingertips, devices and, you know, phones and computers and all of this at our fingertips that we just don't, we don't use hardly any of it. And, you know, even outside of the hobby in life, but then inside the hobby too, it can make a really big difference. And that's why, you know, like the video thing, Justin, you were talking about. Yeah, I sat down on Saturday and I spent all day in the trailer. Now, I got to give my hats off to, to my wife for allowing that. I was shocked. It wasn't really my intention, but it's just. It just worked. You were like sitting there the whole time, kind of looking around the corner like, is she there? No, you know, I really, I didn't even (laughs) think about it. And then all of a sudden I just stick my head up outside. It's like, oh my God, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Whoa, wait a minute. I got in here at 930. (laughs) But I was just, my workflow is so much better and I'm so much more organized that I'm really maximizing my time. I'm not distracted when I'm working on something. Um, because I, it, it's almost like I'm setting it like an appointment. I know right. how long it's going to take, and I have an appointment at a certain time to go do that certain task. And I'm treating it like that, and it's making a huge difference. You know, I sat down and banged out all those videos. We got uh, one on the bump controller, which is here. Oh, my goodness. That thing... I'm sorry, but that's my, uh, I think that's going to be like my version of the V control for the year. And it's only February. Really? Yeah. I, why? Why? I freaking love that. You know, this is, I want to be very upfront. This is not a need thing. Okay. It's not. And if someone says, okay, here's the deal. I've got an eye charger Forty ten. Should I really go and buy a dual power lab and a and a bump controller? Nah. I mean, nah. That I don't think that would make the most sense. But for anyone that already has a PL six or a PL eight, it's an absolute no brainer. And if you are in the market for a large, you know, for a for a charger, then I would highly consider it because it is just plain fun. I mean, it's just fun. It is. I had no idea how that little teeny, you know, and you can sit down and actually time it. And it's like, okay, you know, for me to plug in, you still have to plug the packs in, right? And, and you're talking what? 15 seconds to flip through your presets, pick which one you want, uh, you know, hit enter a couple times, wait for it to recognize, you know, what kind of battery it is and hit enter one more time. Whereas with this, you bump it, you hit start and that's it. So it's three seconds versus 15. Is that a big deal? No. No. But it's just the way that it's done that it I really... It makes you feel like you're better than everyone else who doesn't have one, and that is good enough. No, that's absolutely not it. It really... It doesn't have anything to do with that. 
what it has to do it is it's such a cool bit of technology. It's satisfying every time. You know how I look, you know how I think of it? Okay, Justin, here you go. You've got a new iPhone, right? Yeah. So you have the fingerprint recognition. Of course. Do you like it? Yes. Uh, would you want to go away from it? No. How much time does it save you versus typing in your four-digit password? Three seconds. Okay. That's the best way that I can explain it. It yeah. is a No, that's absolutely fair, dude. It's the I mean, next step in I'm technology. I'm not giving you a hard time at all. I want to get a bump charger. Yeah, but it doesn't make me think I'm better than anyone else. It's just the next step. No, you know what I mean, though. You kind of like smile inside because you're like, I just bumped that battery. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool because, and it's, <laughs> you know, a lot of times I'll get, before I would pick my preset, okay, I'd hit start, and then I'd look over and I'd be like, oh, crap. Okay, wait, let's see. Uh, where am I at in my charge cycle on the other one? Well, okay, this is going to do that. And then I'd have to back back out because, eh, that's not a good idea. I'm going to be double stacking stuff up. You know what I mean? And with this, the way that it's set up, you you store your information. So you store the battery's information. You take a new sticker. You put it on your pack. Um, when it hasn't been programmed, you bump it on the controller and you hold it down there. And then, okay, pops up. All right, name your pack. So you call it and, you know, I just call it. Or what's the brand? Opti. Okay, what's the capacity? All right, 5,000 milliamp. Uh, what's the... Uh, maximum discharge and maximum charge. Okay, so you put that information in, and then it warns you. It says, all right, here's the deal. Going past this step, we are permanently writing the information to that tag. So you can't change that. That's one thing that's kind of like, okay, all right. I mean, you can peel it off and move it to another of that same pack. You know what I mean? But you are committed to that sticker. Now, they're cheap, so it doesn't really matter. But... Then you store like your, your, uh, what I would call my three charge rates, and they call them like accurate, normal, and fast. Now, I set the rate of those. So I have my normal at 2C, my, or uh, my accurate at 2C, my normal at three, and the fast at five. And so I get it all ready and I bump it, and whatever I set the default at is what it will set it to, and then I just hit go. Or that gives me an opportunity at the last minute to go, nah, nah, never mind. I'll just go normal, and you just hit normal and then hit go. I don't know. I'll get more into it. I think we're. I'm going to do a, like a full review on it because there's just so much to it. You know, if you if you want a quick rundown, then definitely, you know, I guess we keep talking about these videos. I'm adding these on my my personal YouTube channel. We'll have a link in the show notes to that. So you guys can go click on that, subscribe to it. There's one in there that gives you a rundown kind of on all of it. And I I will do a a full review for everyone. How much is the thing again? It's like 150 bucks, I think. 150, yeah, I thought so. See, my challenge is that I don't know how I'm going to fit it inside my charge case. Because I built a pretty tight charging case. Yeah, and see now... Uh, that's the one downfall. I completely want to redo my charging case. Yeah, I know. I know. And that's what I'm afraid of, too, is like I get this. I fall in love with it, and I'm like, damn it. Now I got to do it over again. 
Yeah. Oh, but yeah. But you, you can, I mean, can you, you can set it up remote, right? So it doesn't need to be close to the charger. No, it's got, so it has two, a positive and a negative power lead that come into it, you know, and they're, I mean, they're just, they go into your power supply. So whatever you're, you're giving your chargers, uh, you tap into that and then you uh, okay. have a servo lead for each port and it can control up to four chargers. Okay. That makes sense. That's true. Yep. And mm-hmm. then I guess on the update coming up, I, I think sometime this week, right now you have to bump to charge, but I believe there's going to be an update uh, like I had mentioned way back when that they had to do to actually listen, and they're going to have it to where you can do a manual charge setup, to where you don't have to bump to be able to control a charger. Okay. So, yeah, it's uh, look forward to hearing more about that. But, dude, I used it all day on Sunday and just giggled every time. Because it's just cool. I mean, it really is. It's just cool. So, okay, anyway, back to that. Saturday, oh, man, we got a bump charger video done. I got uh, just an overview video on the Hobbywing 160 and the programming with the uh, little program box. Um, I got a video done on throttle calibration for the Hobbywing speed controllers with the V-Control. Had a lot of people asking about that, which is kind of, I don't think they realize how simple it is to do. Um, So I got that one done. Uh, what else? Oh, I did a walkthrough video of the trailer. I had been asked to do that a gazillion times last year and never done it. So I did a whole walkthrough of the trailer, kind of how we got it set up, how we set it up for the live podcast, where everyone sits, all that bits. So I got that done. Let's see. Got the, yeah, got the bump charger all set up. I got 700 number two is now officially done. Maidened, good to go. So I'm pumped there. Sweet. That leaves me with zero non-flying models. Now, I do still have, you know, I want a UI sensor for that one. I want a UI sensor for the 500SS. You know, whether I get the battery ID tag readers for a couple models, hard to say. But, I mean, those are, to me, those are add-ons. They're not needed things. So these all the helis now um, are back up and flying. I got my uh, all of my upgrades for the 380. Justin, you are right. I freaking love that heli. Ha ha, dude! I it's a badass little heli, isn't it? I did not really. I mean, it's like I've seen. You know, you don't really. It's like you see something, you like it. You want it, but you don't really know until you fly it yourself. Yep. And it's your setup. But, yeah, I love it. So I put the speed-up gear on the tail. I did the um, the belt tensioner, which for those of you uh, who haven't seen it, it's not just a tensioner. It's actually an idler on the other side, so it brings the belt away from the boom on both sides. Love that upgrade. Love it. To me, that's like a must. That's the one I feel like I need to get next. Yeah. Because I've already got the speed up pulley. But 
Yeah, I those dig belts that one. do get close. Oh dude, yeah, super oh, close. Yeah. Now, I mean, not dangerously close. Like I said before, I've never. I mean, it doesn't hit. I'm not seeing any witness marks that would suggest it hits, but it's got to do wonders for tail performance. Yeah. Yep. So I got that on. I got the magnetic canopy mounts and the normal style skids because I still just prefer those. Got it all reprogrammed, flew it. Just amazing. Absolutely amazing. So couldn't be any happier with that heli. I'm going to have to order up some more packs. I got the, the carrying case for it, Justin. Yay. That thing is just as badass dude, as the heli. Where have I been with all of this? Like, why did someone not be like, all right, dude, here's the deal. I know that you think you want it, but you like need to get it now. I should have really should have got this last season. Big I agree. Feel like Completely. I'm way behind, and I'm I'm just finding all the cool stuff that's already. I been think known. you're going to find it will make a significant difference in this season for you. Well, so it has because I've gone out and flown twice this week with it at work, and I really like that. I just now I just need more packs. I want to get like six of them. Yeah, I've got four, and I feel like I could. I mean, because it's one of those things where when I go to the field, I don't fly it. It's it's a lunchtime flyer, and it's a quick run around the block to the baseball field flyer. Mm-hmm. And so I will always get the number of packs in flown that I have. And right now I only have four. So if I got six, that only adds like another eight or ten minutes and I get an extra two flights, it's definitely worth it. And the packs aren't terribly expensive. No, and that's kind of why. I mean, yeah, they're not that bad. You find a good sale, you know, a good 20% off weekend sale or something like that, and you're 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 getting some packs for a reasonable price. So, yeah, definitely excited there. That one uh, couldn't be any happier with it. I uh, didn't, didn't fly the 500SS. The weather was kind of cruddy. I got out on Sunday. Uh, I decided to just go for it. I admit that it was difficult to drag myself out there. Um, so I, I do kind of see where Jesse, you know, in the morning we were both like, nah. it was raining and at least in Everson, it was actually pouring down rain. Yeah, it was about 11, 11. Th- and I 11, told 12. him, I'm like, nah, it's not, but it's just kind of, uh, I'm having a hard time. Well, I forced myself to do it. Because, again, going back to that organization thing, I knew, like, I needed to get out there at that time. And I couldn't, I was so happy that I did. Because once I got there, one flight, it was like, oh, daddy's back, baby. It felt great. And, yeah, it was a little cold, a little bit windy, but it didn't rain. I got in 13 flights, so I'll take that any day. But not bad at all. Nice. This is cool. This is a really big one. Remember how I thought that I screwed up my UI sensors? Yep. I can mm-hmm. now confirm that I definitely did not screw them up. So I've seen this floating around on the forums. People saying, ah, I heard Nick say that, you know, he messed them up by soldering. I was incorrect. My soldering was adequate and I did not screw them up. My packs are toast. <laughs> Which is the the worst of the two. It is the worst of the two. Yes. From a financial standpoint. 
Yes, but from an educational standpoint, this is great. And I also actually did a video on this, how to find actual uh, pack capacity. So what it is is, yeah, I knew that these packs had some serious flight count on them. I mean, some of them were up over 200, 200 cycles, and that's what it was. So I went back into the UI sensor app or into the battery log book and put it back. I got it all set up to where the alarm is at 25%, you know, because I kept bumping the percent up, and I'm like, man, this is just something's really not right here. So I put it at 25% alarm. That way I can land or go up and give me time to shoot two autos. On the smaller models, I set it down at 20. If I'm not going to auto it, I'll put it at like 22%. Because I'm flying it low and close anyway. It's just, you know, beep, beep, beep. Okay, turn around, come in and land. No big deal. Uh, and then I went back to the bench. And what I did is I started, Justin and I had a conversation about this. And yes, there's some ways that you can do it on your charger you know, discharging it down to certain voltage and then doing a little backwards math and seeing, you know, how much you, uh, how much you, you take out of it to get it to discharge. But what I like to do, and he brought this up. So Justin, thanks for this. It didn't, I didn't think about it really until you did bring it up was that your discharge is, it's really Depending on the chemistry of the battery, obviously, like lead acids are the worst, and that's the best example to use. You can pull, um, uh, like for the guys, if we go back to deep cycles, right? Powering up your chargers with deep cycles. Well, anyone that has done that knows that if you keep your charge rate very low, you can get more cycles out of the same, out of out of that battery before it's dead, um, out of your your deep cycle battery. Yep. Then if you crank the amperage up, you get less out of it. Well, wait a minute. It's the same size battery, but it doesn't, it just doesn't work like that. So doing it this way, actually adjusting it per my flying style and how I fly it with the load on it that I do worked out the best. So I took these 5,000 milliamp packs and I started them at, um, I went into the battery setup on the battery logbook and I changed them to 4,000 milliamps. And then what I did is I just flew it until my timer went off with the 25% remaining, went up, shot two autos, came back down, and looked at my resting voltage. And what I was shooting for is um, 3.74 volts per cell. That's what I was shooting for. Now, why did you choose 3.74 volts? Because that is right at about 20% remaining pack capacity. And that's perfect. That's where Nick wants to end up right at the end of his flight. 20% left. So, uh, I got done with the first flight. It's like, oh, you know, some batteries were like, oh, geez, man, I'm still sitting at 385, 387. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next flight, just went and turned it up a couple hundred milliamps. One pack? <laughs> Only made it to 4,100 milliamps. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, now all of a sudden, hey, what do you know? Everything is matching back up properly. Then what I did is I went in under the battery saver app portion of it. And, you know, I kind of actually talked to uh, Rain. Is it Rainier or Rainer from, I can never remember how to pronounce his name. Rainier from Mikado. And he did a little bit of discussion back and forth. And 
I kind of just ended up dumbing it down in the video that I did. I set mine to uh, three milliamps loss per battery cycle. So what that does is it will automatically reduce the pack capacity by three milliamps every flight that you put on. Can you tell it that if you over-discharge it, it should reduce it by more? Yeah. By 10. <laughs> I'll take 10 off this time. Yep, so I set my low-voltage alarm in there, and I, I programmed it to do that. Now, that might be a little bit conservative. It's hard to say. He brought up some points. You know, there is a portion in there to where you can do pack degradation over time as well, per 100 days. I don't have that data. I know that he had recommended kind of like splitting it half half by time and half by cycle count. I went more a little bit by cycle count, um, but that's not really because I feel that I know more. I just don't know. I mean, Justin, do you have a concept of how much packs degrade over time uh, without cycles? Without cycles? Yeah, like just sheer shelf time. Oh, absolutely, dude. That's well documented in the in the technical literature. Oh. It's all a function of temperature and state of charge. So it's like... Um, so let's say I'll, just... I'll have to go and dig up the data. So don't take the numbers that I'm going to give you right now okay. as gospel. But it's something along the lines of, I believe, at a room temperature... At a hundred percent state of charge, like fully charged, basically, a lipo will lose. Uh, I want to say ten or twenty percent of its capacity per year of shelf life without cycling. Oh, and if you store wow. them at zero C or or freezing thirty two F at full charge, then they lose like eight percent. But if you store them at 3.8 per cell, or what we would typically refer to as storage voltage, it cuts that in half or more, depending on the temperature. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's documented evidence out wow. there from testing. Well, you know what's awesome? I'm glad I don't have a bunch of new batteries. <laughs> because Do you leave your shit charged? I'm horrible about it. You know that. I always have been. I'm yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I will admit that I have gotten bad about it uh, at certain times during my hobby for the helis that I deem less important to me. Mm -hmm. So like the 380, I, I mean, call me stupid, but I don't give a shit. Those 6S packs have probably been charged for two months straight. Um, speed helis. <laughs> Nuh-uh, not going to happen. I only get 30 or 40 good cycles out of them anyway at like $8 a cycle. So <laughs> I need to make sure that those things are like pampered. Jeez. Yeah. But that's funny because, you know, really, for how little effort it is, I even hate buying any battery. So this really, you know, what the whole UI sensor and the battery logbook and all that has opened up. And I'm not just, you know, guys, I'm not just talking Mikado stuff. This applies to any current type. I mean, Justin, can you set this type of stuff in the jetty as well? What? To to automatically figure, um, like, uh, pack degradation by flight count and by time? No, it's not part of the baseline app set. 
it's something that you could code uh, if you wanted to. But in the Jetty, the way I do it is I set a capacity alarm. Mm-hmm. And then I also uh, set a voltage alarm under load. Okay. And that's actually kind of a way that I calibrate myself on how that particular pack performs. Because you say, you know, you got a 5,000 milliamp hour pack. You set it at, let's just say, 80%. So at 4,000 milliamp hours. And then what I'll do is my magic number that I find under speed loads is 3.3 volts per cell. Uh, Generally speaking, if I hit a low voltage alarm at 3.3 per cell or that equivalent for the number of cells across the whole terminal voltage, then uh, it should mean that I'm pretty darn close to right about 75-ish percent discharged. Okay. And when I do the comparison back on the charger to say how much I put back in, then I've got a feel for the relative quality of that pack. We might Not, have to just do yeah. We might end up doing an episode on this because I feel for me that there's this a lot is, to it. There's a oh, lot. Yeah, to there it. is. There absolutely and is. This and is this a is, big is also, Nick, why for me, the discharger is such an important feature. Um, you know, there there's some conversation going on on the forums under the thread that says, Justin, when the hell are you actually going to give us the tech tip? And the guys, I think, have somewhat given up and moved on to other alternatives, one of which is like you can use the iCharger 308 and you yeah. can do resistive discharge. Uh, and people are using like uh, hair dryers or, yeah. you know, heating elements, That's which is great. That's awesome. Um, and what I was trying to tell the guys is what you're going to find when I do my tech tip for the discharger is it's not for everyone. Most people just want to discharge so that they can get to storage mm-hmm. quickly. Right. And this will do that for you too. But the reason I designed mine this way is because I have a fixed current that I know it's going to operate at. And it allows me not only to cycle consistency consistently for break in, but cycle to get data out of the packs. And and it all goes hand in hand with the UI sensor during flight and checking voltage under load versus static. There really is a lot to it if you want to get nerdy about it. Yeah. Well, I think we'll, we will do more because this is, uh, you know, this has really opened my eyes to you know, to the proper way to do it. And like in that video, I said, Hey, I don't even know that this is really correct. I just, I feel it's in here. I want to get something in there. This is something that I want to get better at. I, I want to expand my knowledge in this part. It's saving my batteries and it's just going to make for an all around better flying experience as well. This goes back to that. Okay. Well, what's wrong with just setting a timer? There's nothing wrong with setting a timer. We've been doing it this way for many 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 years but i feel like this is the next step you know once you fly with a current sensor yep it it really is i mean it's just the next step so yeah but at any rate uh we better get going let's see yeah that was my week absolutely incredible week i'm super stoked i probably won't get to fly this weekend because we're going out of town um but uh, awesome. Thank you for everyone for the nice comments about the videos. I will keep doing more. And guys, you know what? I'm probably going to make some mistakes. I'm okay with that. I'll just do some update videos as we go. And uh, 
I think it'll... When have we ever been 100% accurate? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's a part of being normal people. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, I'm sure if I wanted to uh, quit my day job and we could somehow do this, then I would... I would expect 100% accurate information mm-hmm. coming out of here, but we're just hobbyists like the, you know, like everyone else. So, sweet. Well, let's uh we better get on to some news and get going here. We got a lot of stuff to cover. Let's do it. Let's do it. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com. So I got some news this week. Okay. So first up, I got to say I'm pretty bummed that, that Dan's not here for this first piece of news that we got, you know, with his recent heli decisions. But looks like there's a, a possible Leviathan gas conversion kit for the Agile 7.2. Oh. Yeah, and from uh, the little, you know, reading the description here, it looks like it can convert either the V1 or the V2. Um, And the kit that they're selling here, I didn't... Now, I'm I'm not 100%, you know, current up up on everything gasser, so I don't know what the prices are, but I didn't think this was uh, too badly priced. So you're looking at $250 for the airframe conversion kit for your Agile 7.2, so... No, got one of those. And I know that I know that when Carrie first talked about this, he wanted to do it, and there wasn't enough traction, and he couldn't get the price down enough. But then, mm. so he kind of shelved it for a little while. But then people were kept asking about it, kept asking about it. So he's done a little bit more, a little bit more research, and and found some places to make that were you know are willing to make parts in smaller quantities. And yep. so now it kind of brought this back into being an option well and the other thing is being able to find places that'll make parts in smaller quantities and not raise the price through the freaking roof yeah so exactly seems like they're able to keep it yeah pr- pretty reasonable as well cool. okay so I've, I've got a question on this just super quick i won't dwell on it what why would we do an agile 7.2 when it doesn't even appear as if kds is doing anything in the hobby mm-hmm Fair. I mean, fair. That is fair. I don't really have a rebuttal to that. That is no, all. No, I mean, I, I think I it, don't know. I don't know how many kit. You know, if any, how many kits are selling right now? But there's, I mean, there's hell. They're they're out there. People own them. Yeah, yeah but that's are they true. still supporting and, parts in any way that could be considered mainstream? I mean, can you just go and get agile parts anywhere? You know, I'm not sure. I, re- I really don't Listeners know. Listeners, let us know. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we'll have to see. I think the majority of the legwork was done back when, but they just couldn't get the parts uh, for this yeah. conversion out at a good enough price. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. What else you got? All right, next. This, you know, not huge, but pretty cool. Have you guys seen... The new V Bar Neo, the white version. Oh yeah, I have. Oh yeah. So I know you can get the transmitter, and now you can get the V Bar to match. So I actually like this. I love it. First of I've, all, the white transmitter is the best looking of any of them that I've seen thus far. 
Agreed. Personally, yep. I think yep. that's Looks the case. Great. It's very clean and simple, and, and it just, it kind of feels like an iPhone. Yes. You know? Agreed. The the white Neo, uh, I actually kind of like myself because I'm not a big fan of anything blue on a heli. So, and that's just my personal thing, right? Like, it's not a mm-hmm. big deal, but it looks clean as well. But I wonder, I mean, are they going to start, like, is the next one going to be like a, a clear stripper heels Neo? Oh, and follow mm. the suit of the trans. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. I or just, a black one. Like, why not do a black one, well, dude? Because probably because everyone's done black i mean wait no no well what what fly barless system is black msh brain okay didn't bd make a black one nope spartan i mean the plastic is black but it's got an orange sticker on it yeah i guess three digits green Icons red. Skookum's red. Icons red. Or Skookum 720's black. Oh, yeah. I guess Skookum black 720. Edition. Now, the, the I haven't gotten my hands on an actual Neo. Is it plastic? Yes. Yes. So the case is plastic. Is. Yep. Is it chintzy plastic or is it beefy plastic? I don't know. Just normal feels, fly bar. I mean, it, 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 it feels like an icon style plastic or yeah. uh, like a, yeah, a beast X. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. just checking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, one more option if you're looking for picking up a V bar. The next thing I got is: Did you guys see this timeline photo from Duncan on the Soxos DB7? Wonder what the DB stands for. Yeah, I've Dude, I couldn't even begin to bro. guess. <laughs> Dude, never mind. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> no. sorry. Yeah, there's a couple. (laughs) I mean, I don't know about you. I don't think this is a a huge surprise. He kind of alluded to something like this coming down the pipeline when he was making the the team swap, you know, just with all big things in the works, lots to come in 2016. Um, So we just got, you know, a a little bit of a a teaser picture. looks like a rendered uh, CAD model kind of in the the poster. Yeah, and he makes a point to say that it's not like a special edition or not a limited edition. Like it's an actual new heli, I think. Yeah, like a, a, yeah. a full run helicopter. So I guess we'll be looking for that this year. But so, yeah, I mean, from what I can see from the picture, it looks like a pretty sleek canopy design. Cool. Other than that, I think that's all I got. I got one. Fire away. Let's hear it. Oh, yeah. Angelos has been at it again, and he has come out in the lead by releasing the official firmware upgrade for Spartan Vortex integration with the Jetty. That was fast. Dude, like, I I mean, I feel like we were just talking about the fact that BK picked up Jetty. And, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, like, you know, Bert and Angelos worked together? Maybe eventually we could see Spartan. Two months later. Yeah. Damn. No, this is awesome. So I, I think this is pretty freaking cool. Um, 
He's been posting a bit on on Heli Freak, and you can see the link in the show notes. He's got kind of like a little advertisement poster. He's been doing some videos to show you all the different details. But basically, you are able to fully program from start to finish your Spartan Vortex from the Jetty uh, transmitter. So no data pods, no PC, none of that stuff. Basically the same as what you've come to know on the, the V-Control system. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you information for, uh, let's see here, um, the sensor state. Now, I don't know what he means by that. I'm assuming he means the three-axis gyro yep. sensor state. And then also main rotor RPM. Nice. Uh, and it's fully integrated with the governor and all that stuff. So uh, pretty freaking cool. I've gotten a lot of feedback from listeners who are super excited about this. Uh, either they fly Spartan and they've wanted an excuse to get a jetty or they fly jetty and they've wanted an excuse to get a Spartan. Yeah. So it works out all around. Yep. I think it's dude. Awesome. I mean, yeah, that's great. Really, really awesome. So my hat's off to Angelos. That came out fast. I think it's cool. I love the direction that everything's headed. going to say you keep yep. getting companies and systems that keep doing the you know, programming the fly, the fly bar system from the transmitter. It's going to become just an expectation. Yep. As Mainstream. It, as it should. As it should. Yeah. I feel. Sweet. All righty. That's it. That's See all it. I got. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com for superior quality web and mobile development and design with a 100% money back guarantee. That's always on schedule and budget. Get the most from your website from www.superiority.com or www.dudemanlarry.com. Not kidding. Check him out. Guys, we picked up a straggler. I was searching the uh, the Skype webs, and I managed to the find interwebs. the interwebs <laughs> and the Skypeness. And I happened to find a gentleman that some of us know and some of us don't know. And I thought, hey, what better time to get this guy on here and say hi? So with us this evening, we have Randy. Is it Tribke? Is that correct? Yep. Spot on. Awesome, Randy Tribke. Now, Randy, he's uh, one of our fellow, uh, well, our fellow, our hated warm weather dicks down there, down in Arizona. <laughs> but uh, what you guys might not know is that Randy is the team manager, so the U.S. team manager for Hobby Wing. So what's happening, man? Same old, working on the logo, putting some prototype units in. Oh, there we go. Oh, Fun stuff. So the reason that I wanted to bring you on was, A, just to say hi, give a big shout out to our WWDs down there, but also um, I have, I've noticed a trend amongst Hobby Wing, and that is a lot of ESCs are coming out, new ones. So what, mm-hmm. like, what's going on over there? They're just pushing the aircraft line more than they, uh, they ever have before. They're trying to penetrate the U.S. market. Um, just trying to put a dent in what they can. I mean, they have such a presence in the the surface side. The the car side is so uh, so well known that uh, they're looking to expand out here. Well, it seems to be working. We we've <laughs> noticed a a wee bit of an increase in popularity. 
So what, um, now they came out, where are we at now? We're at Platinum, what is it, version 3 or 4? Yeah, the V4 series. Okay. And what was the first, What what's the speed controller that you think that took the the old hobby wing and turned them into like the new hobby wing? Uh, well, I think the 100 V3 Platinum. Yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's just a great ESC. I mean, it's light. The governor works great. Uh, there's no complaints. It has a strong BEC. It, it was the EEC, uh, the speed control that brought me over to uh, Hobby Wing originally. I mean, my, my talent went up on fire. Didn't know what to do. And uh, one of those people, one of the guys over here, <laughs> yeah. uh, just kind of gave me one, and uh, I loved it. It's the only one that won't thermal out for me when I was flying my 550 T Rex. Yeah, I. They're just ridiculous. I mean, I've got that one. And, oh, geez, a lot of, I'm actually flying one in my 570, believe it or not, and have just, mm-hmm. I'm shocked. It's super, super lightweight, and it it's amazing how cool they run. I've noticed that I just struggle to get them warm, which is good. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah, I mean, good. Here in Arizona, when we have uh, like 115 degrees, we're still flying. So it, it it's hot. You need to drink a lot of water, but... Uh, Need the helis to keep going. Mm-hmm. Terrible on batteries. Really bad on batteries. Oh. Ugh. Yeah, I guess the only thing you couldn't tell us is how they fly in the cold. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. It was pretty cold uh, last week. It was uh, a high of like 60. So oh, God, I man. That's so rough. That is rough. <laughs> You're talking to the wrong crowd here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Not uh, not feeling for you. So, what? Uh, let's see. What do we got? Sizes that what what are the sizes that are out right now? Uh, right now we have the the fifty LV. The sixty LV was uh, I think released today or uh, just recently for uh, the U.S. market. You could get it on uh, Bang Goods or whatever that is. But uh, the eighty LV is going to be released soon. That's in prototype. I believe you have one. I do. Um, the one hundred LV V three that's been out forever. Mm-hmm. Um, the 120 LV, uh, you were due one but didn't get one yet. And then uh, the 130 HV is what I'm installing currently into the logo. Oh, yes. See how that works. That one, that one's going to be a big deal. Yeah, it is, yeah. One. And that's a big push for us to uh, get the testing done on that. So I'd like to get more of these units out because it, it'll be the one that bridges the gap between the 100 and the 160 for the whole market for us. Yeah, the one... That 160 is just ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> I'm... A brick. <laughs> it is. It's a brick, but it's... I'm shocked because, I like, I, I'll call it how I see it. I really, truly believe that it's a cosmic killer. Like, it's a cosmic 160 killer. I'm sorry. I haven't seen... Like, I at this point, I can really find... I mean, cosmics, J-Log... Are these J-Log compatible? Do we know? Uh, the V4, I haven't done it, but I know that, uh, I think Justin was doing it with the 50. Oh, okay. So, I mean, there's just, God, they come out with them. They're way cheaper than, uh, the other big name brands. And they seem to be kind of almost like ridiculously reliable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, a lot of people were really hoping that it was going to be similar to the 100 where it was going to be real cheap, you know, around the price of the Scorpion. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, when you get the 160, like Jesse, I don't know if you've opened yours yet. You look at that and you're like, uh, I don't think I have 
you know, a, a cheap product sitting here. So uh, a lot of the ESCs that they're releasing now are going to be what they're shooting to, to raise the bar on mm-hmm. their end. So well, not only... I think they're doing a great job with it. I was surprised that every ESC I get's in a little white box that looks terrible and doesn't come with anything. But uh, when I got my first uh, release version of the 160, I was really impressed. Also, I was going to say with with go you know going up in the price, there's definitely more expectations I think that come with that. But I was more than satisfied, like you're saying, with the delivery, how the product was presented, the packaging, the overall feel of the speed controller, and just the you know the quality that that you could just sense from opening the box. So, mm-hmm. uh, and something people don't think of is so when you change the price, you change the you know the the clientele that are purchasing it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you get more new uh, hobbyists that uh, for the cheaper products, and they struggle to set them up. Um, you know, they they tend to veer towards uh, hobby king or anything like that. And then you get the the cosmics or the contronics, and uh, only the veterans will really be buying that. You won't see anyone straight out the gate first heli buying a cosmic. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, they're still trying to swallow the price of everything else. <laughs> yeah, well, I've I've I mean the quality has just. It's blown me away, and and more importantly, I mean, hey, let's be honest here. This is we fly helis, and mm-hmm. I I really did believe that as far as a as an internal governor goes, um, I did not think that Contronic could be touched. I mean, no one had seen it. You know, okay, YG's isn't bad, but it's a little bit finicky, and man, they did a really good job on the Gov. They did. I mean, the the V3 was good. Uh, The V4 with adjustable parameters has been great for me when I've been testing it so far. Um, I mean, really, the only experience I had before was uh, the Castle Gov, and it was impossible (laughs) to set on my 800. I mean, I'd come down out of an overspeed, and it just about shut off on me. Uh, It wouldn't recover very quickly, so you'd have to sit there and hover, wait for the spool up. And then when you did get it kind of tuned close, you'd get the oscillation. Mm -hmm. It was just... And I didn't like hooking up to the laptop every time I wanted to change it. You know, now you got to bring extra hardware with. I have to worry about extra stuff. I have to unplug stuff. And I don't, I don't want to deal with that. So it's just all around. I, I like using the little box. I like doing the stick programming. It it just works out. Yeah. Sweet. Well, we, uh, I personally love the direction they're going. I've had nothing but great stuff. And it's good to see, you know, in a hobby that's like, uh, you know, people are, oh, I don't know, things are bad, blah, blah, blah. It's really cool to have companies, you know, like Hobby Wing coming in, just kind of kicking ass and taking names, almost like unfazed by it. And I, I personally think that's really cool. And that's a big deal to us because that's kind of how we roll. So um, it, it's uh, it's great. So congratulations to you guys for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, uh, it's all the, the users are really... You know, they do a great job giving us feedback, and uh, I, I can't wait to test more of the products. I mean, the 200 should be released soon. I've been finishing up that here, and um, now our focus is on quads. I mean, I have a couple quads here that are running some prototypes as well, and they're really going to, if they release these products, they'll smash that market as well. Jeez. Oh, hmm. and, and see that, yeah, that's the problem, is that I find now, every time they come out with a new speed controller... I'm actually thinking of like, okay, I need to get a heli to put it in. I mean, that's my <laughs> messed up way of justification. I actually sent Justin a text the other day. I was like, dude, kind of really want a 200. 
That means I have to get a 770. Oh, this is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the 200, it's a pretty big ESC, but I went uh, over to the Team HD guys and compared it to their 200 uh, Contronic. And uh, they're, they're about the same size, but the 200 Hobbywing has a smaller footprint. But uh, fan for fan, I mean, they're about the same. Yeah. Hey, geez, I don't know. Could be the end of me. Well, awesome. And hey, you had one more cool little treat for our, our listeners, I do believe. I did. Uh, so if, if anyone would like to uh, purchase a Hobbywing, they can go on uh, Hobbywing Direct, uh, which is the Hobbywing USA website, and uh, type in uh, the code for RC Heli Nation. And uh, you guys can get uh, 20% off your, your purchase. And that's for any of the Platinum Series uh, ESCs that we release. Awesome. Well, nice. I, that's, uh, <laughs> I mean, for an already what I consider very economical speed controller, 20% huge. And uh, I know that all the listeners will really appreciate that. And uh, we appreciate, appreciate you coming on, giving us the quick scoop. And yeah, man, keep up the good work. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and anything we can do to help you guys out. I mean, we really appreciate everything you do with the podcast. I mean, I was telling you yesterday that, um, you know, listening to you guys, it really uh, keeps me motivated. You're, you're like my workout buddy. So I, I know that you guys are going out. I need to keep going out. We all need to keep keep just plugging away. Yeah. So yeah, it does really get tough sometimes. It. But perfect. Well, thank you very much. Awesome, Randy. I know it's late there for you. Have a wonderful evening, and we will catch up with you soon. Thanks, you too, and uh, enjoy, and happy flying in the, in the warm weather. Ah, yes. Right. <laughs> See you later, man. Take care. Bye. With all the different retailers out there, it can be hard to decide where you want to spend your heli money. Ken over at Lower Heli helps make that decision a little easier for you, though. With amazing prices every day, great customer service, and fast shipping, you don't have to worry about bouncing around anymore. Go visit Ken at www.lowerheli.com and fill that shopping cart with the confidence that you're getting the best prices backed by amazing support. Head on over to www.lowerheli.com and fly lower. Well, that was pretty cool to hear from Randy, guys. I know, Justin, you couldn't make it. Yeah, sorry. I had a sick kid that decided to wake <laughs> up. Yeah, I had to take a little break there. But how cool is that, guys, for Hobby Wing to come in 20% off to all of our awesome listeners? That is awesome. It is incredibly badass. And Randy is a cool dude. Yep. Like, I feel like he's a great person to represent Hobby Wing. That's right. Well, we have something on our plate. We're running a little bit long, but man, this one's been coming. It's review time. I feel like I need an intro for that. Oh, back to that voice again. Hey. <laughs> you know, you need, you need an intro for peppy. review time? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why can't I? Let's hear a couple takes. We'll tell you which one we like. No, nah, I better not. This could go <laughs> this could go real bad real quick. Uh. <laughs> so yes uh the dt 520 let's get this bad boy going 
All right. Company name is Dartin, if you guys are wondering what the DT stands for. And the model that I did a review on was the 520E version 2. Now, this also had um, what is called the Vol- Volante edition, which what the Volante does is it gives you the one of the sickest canopy paint jobs I have ever seen, a uh, painted boom in addition to the regular boom and a painted to match uh, vertical fin in the back. You get two booms? That's correct. Two booms. And it's 20 bucks for the upgrade. Dude. Yeah. So the base kit of the 520E V2, which, and from now on, I'm just going to call the 520, but I want to make sure we're clear. This is the EV2 belted version. There is a torque tube version, but I did a review on the belted one. So the base kit is $399. Then you add blades, which you can do just separately, um, and the Volante, and that brings it to $459 total. Very reasonable. Oh, yeah, dude. And they've also got, um, and I should say they, well, when I refer to they, I'm talking about Shannon over at OnlyFineHellies.com. He's the main distributor for the Darton Helis. They have numerous sizes, 520, 600, 700. You know, I feel like these are the kind of like the unsung heroes. The guys that have them absolutely love them. They just never really got that big. And we, I love doing reviews on this kind of stuff because you, you get to take these helis that are good helis. They just never really got the publicity that they needed to take off. Um, so again, this is a 500, and there's my air quotes, size model. Um, the one that I got came with blades. They are 520 millimeter blades. These are the actual DT brand blades um, that come with it. Uh, Shannon over there at Only Fine Helis, they have some options for like servos, combo kits with speed controllers and motors, all very economical stuff. I mean, you can get one of these things up and flying for like 850 bucks. I mean, ready to go uh, with fly barless system and everything. So that's just absolutely crazy. Um, specs, you know, I'll have all the specs in the written review. I don't think we need to go over length and size. It's a 500. It swings 520 blades. I'm going to do this review a little bit differently than normally. Normally, I get really hardcore into like the specs. I don't want to do that with this review. Um, this heli to me, you know, I, I try and go with the feel of the product for how I want to do the review. And the feel of this product is value. It's the it's the experience of it. And it's what do I get for so little money. So that's what I want to focus on. I mean, yeah, I can tell you very specific. Air, okay, it's 1,900 grams for the airframe weight without the batteries. Well, whatever. That's not going to do you guys any good. Uh, you know, when I got this thing, you take it out of the box, and I actually kind of chuckled. Comes in a nice box. I open it up, and what do I see? Bubble wrap. And I kind of giggled. I was like, bubble wrap? Really? And then I started on get it. Yeah, I don't get it. Like I started unwrapping it, but dude, everything comes assembled. Like it's in sub assemblies. So the tail and the vertical fin, the tail box and everything, complete. Like all put together. Damn. 
And I'm going, okay, wow. And they actually bubble wrapped all this stuff. And now I'm going to tell you, I want to, I want to put out this warning. My first thought was, oh, you know, okay. Uh, you know, we, we've all built some models here that you, you pull out of the box and it's like a display. You know what I mean? Precision CNC cut foam and all this kind of stuff. But then I got to thinking about it. Wait a minute. That's not what this helicopter represents. So why waste money? Why put $15 extra into the packaging and then have to charge the customer $15 more? It's not going to make it fly any better. So I got it. And once I kind of started looking at it this way, I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm really digging this. Not to mention when I tore it all apart, it was all put together properly. (laughs) Like, properly. Uh, now, that's the key. Was it put together properly? It was. Every freaking screw. So you tore stuff down oh, and it had Loctite? Absolutely. I tore it all down. And I'm going, wow. Okay, I thought, all right, I'm going to keep a tally. You know, what's my percentage of done properly with Loctite? And it all was. Now, there's the big safety warning. I always believe whenever you get anything, you should tear it down to where you feel comfortable. You know, so I'm not going to say don't tear it down, but what I want you to know is that they do a great job assembling this. And I had absolutely no issues. What that also means is crazy fast build time, not trying to locate screws, make sure you get all your screw lengths right. I mean, it, this was just pop it apart, re-loctite, check, pop it back together. Good to go. Um, now this one's got... Uh, so it came with like the frame assembly um, all together as one. The tail assembly was all together and the head was all together. And then we had the, you know, the boom and the uh, boom supports and tail rod all separately. Now, as far as the layout of the frame, this is a narrow frame design. So think, um, uh, think Gowie, right? Super, super narrow in the back, all the way up through the midsection, up through the motor area. And then in the front... You have a wider section where the battery goes. Ready? Battery tray. Woohoo! Absolute must. I refuse to fly a model that doesn't have one. I'm sorry. I'm spoiled. And I like it. So, really nice battery setup. Kind of similar to SAB a little bit where you slide it in. It's got the little clicker dealy on the side. Works great. Had no issues there. Plenty of room. And I'm going to add, I flew this thing all the way from... Uh, 30, let's see, 3,700s, I want to say, up to 5,000 milliamp packs. And what do you know? I didn't have a problem CGing it. Yay. So that part's really cool. Um, the frame, crazy rigid. I mean, anyone who's built a narrow frame design knows that flex is not something that they have. And uh, definitely very, very rigid frame. Uh, one thing that I should note, you better bring your sandpaper because there's lots of li- lots of places that need to be sanded. So that if, if you're not a sander, mm, sorry, you're going to have to be on this one. Um, it's a little bit tricky wire routing, getting the wire from the speed controller, which there's a separate speed controller mount on the top in the front. Um, I ran a Hobbywing 100 LV on this with the Integral BEC. Fit perfect up there. Motor wires tucked right underneath. Super, super clean. It is a little bit tricky to get the wires 
um, your throttle wire and your RPM wire or, or your supplementary BEC wire from there to the back. It's a long run. I did have to use uh, extensions and you do got to kind of have to go in and out of holes and stuff. So just be prepared uh, to be, you know, ready to do some sanding and use your head when it comes to wire protection. This heli takes full-size servos. Uh, so I uh, slapped in a set of the nice new cordless BK 7002 HVs. Way overkill. <laughs> Way overkill, but hey, right? I mean, why not? Um, and then I ran the BK 7006 HV on the tail. If you need to buy them, might as well. Uh, let's see. So for a motor, I actually ran three different motors in this um, just to kind of give it a, a little bit of variety. I ran a 4025 1100 Scorpion, a 4020 1100 Scorpion, and this old ghetto Viper motor. And yes, I just said Viper motor. Now, why <laughs> would I? Yeah, whoa is right. Did that come out of a car? No, it was out of a heli. And why did I do it? Because it's tremendously underpowered. Um, but I, I, I really felt like I wanted to, you know, the 4025-1100, that's a ripper. We all know that's a great motor. That's, I mean, a total workhorse. Way more power than is needed for this model. But I also wanted to underpower it to give people, you know, on the budget mind side of things, know what's going to be the minimum that I'm going to need to run. Um, this was flown on the Futaba 14 SG. So I had a 6203 receiver um, on the side. And then, like I mentioned, the DT520 blades and then a set of Zeal 95 tails. Now notice I did say there's my asterisk 95 on the tails. I will get to that a little bit later. Uh, no issues with assembly. The quality, um, Awesome. They the tail assembly butter smooth. It's got a kind of a traditional uh, over under style control on the slider, but with the dual pivot point, kind of like you remember, Justin. I think you might know the KDE, uh, the old KDE tail upgrades for everything. Yeah, where yeah, they yeah, have yeah, like yeah, the yeah. dual bearing pivot points out to the over under. Yeah, kind of yep. similar to that, but plastic tail grips and plastic 90 degree arm there which i actually really like it keeps the weight down and it also gives us a little bit of a weak link in the tail system so you're not told i've also completely wadded up those old upgrades and it yeah ended it up keeps the crash cost down yes because absolutely. 20 bucks for a freaking aluminum tail bell crank is ridiculous it is and that is what happens and i've done it so it's all well and good until you crash it what was really nice about this is they used all the smart engineering, but they just went with a less expensive material. Zero slop. None. I could not have built it myself any better sanding shims and everything. So that was awesome to not have. I swear almost every hell you have to go back in. You know, I'm kind of picky with my slop on stuff. I'll, I'll pull out the little washers and sand them down a little bit just to get all the last little bit of slop out. Didn't have to do it one bit. Um, pretty traditional tail rod still. It's nice. It's got little aluminum ends on it that cover the end of the carbon fiber. So that's kind of cool. Um, it has a single support in the middle, which I love this design. I'm seeing more people do this. I love it. 
It's got the adjustable height on the tail rod support where you loosen it up and then you can adjust it up and down and you you clamp it back down. So you can, there's never a bend in your tail rod, regardless of what servo arm length you use. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I kind of like that. The first time I saw that was in the 700X, which I believe this actually might have been out before. So who knows what came first, but irregardless, works great. Um, Up to, uh, so up to the motor in the front, there is a, a, a slidable motor tray. It's really nice. There's kind of an aluminum center section to the frame. This motor plate sits right over the top, hugs around the sides, and you've got two bolts on either side. So adjusting your gear mesh is really easy. Uh, speaking of gear mesh, herringbone main gear. Woohoo! Love them. Yes. Took a, took a page from the Mikado handbook. Yes. Huh? And boy, let me tell you, if it is gear driven, I want it to be herringbone. I got so used to it on the E700s and I love it. Why? Because it is strong and smooth, smooth and quiet. So love that. Now that's driven to a pretty standard auto rotation style drive gear, which goes back um, to your uh, tail drive gear. Okay, you know, pretty typical there, belted setup. Um, you, you've got your straight cut gear. I, I think it's on the bottom. Of, now I can't remember if it's the bottom or the top, but then your belt drive gear up there. So nothing too crazy there. Uh, let's see. Moving up to the head. You know, simple. And that's the theme with this helicopter. Simple. They are not, they did not go out and try and recreate the wheel. They didn't. I mean, there is nothing groundbreaking like, oh, my gosh, this is the coolest, greatest thing. They kept it simple, and I really like that. The head's not crazy beefy, beefy, but you know what? It's not chintzy either. Everything is slop-free. It's simple. It's adequate, and I like that. I think that is per- That's these are the little things that I actually like about this model the most is that Building-wise, maintenance-wise, and crash cost-wise, we don't have to go crazy with it. Um, Moving down to the skids, it comes with a pretty traditional set of skids. Uh, Skid tubes were a little too long for my taste, um, which they could be trimmed. Not a big deal. It's got a pretty healthy stance on it. Uh, I think the, you know, maybe the season builder, if you've had a bunch of models before, you might be like, eh, these might look a little bit big and clunky, not too bad, but just kind of borderline. Um, the, the newer guys are intermediate, or if you are flying off of a cruddy field, I don't care how good you are, but if you're flying off of a cruddy field, you know, really kind of rutted up or grassy or whatever, I think you'll really appreciate the stability that you get out of the skids. Now, I should also mention they did send over a set of carbon fiber skids as well. These things look sexy, very nice. Um, But what's different about them is they kind of taper together in the back. So they look awesome. Um, They really, they complement the shape and the lines on the canopy but you will lose some stability over the factory skids. But what I like is that there's a choice. You can go either way. Um, You get to pick that. So let's see. Now that we've, did I cover everything there? We got skids, we got that. Yeah, together, assembly, no brainer. 
had no issues. Everything went together, I mean, super simple. The instructions aren't overly fancy. Maybe could have gone a little bit higher quality on the manual. Adequate, though, you know? I mean, again, if they would have said, okay, well, hey, we can print a super nice color manual and give you all this, but it's going to, you know, add five bucks. I'll t- I'll keep my five bucks and I'll deal with the manual. Again, fits the theme of the whole heli, which I do like. Uh, let's see. We've got a gyro mounting plate on the back. I flew this with the three digi, which we're also doing a review on. Not a big gyro plate in the back, again, because this is a narrow frame, but perfectly fine footprint for that. Um, I, you know, definitely fit like Neo size. Justin, I don't think you would have a problem. Um, like with the with the BDs back there, uh, yep. the three digis, a top wire mount, a carrot top. <laughs> That's what I call carrot tops, and didn't have any issues there. As far as electronics placement, I had a receiver on the outside and a BEC on the side of the frame. Because it is narrow, you have lots of real estate on the outside of the frame. Inside of the frame is going to be limited. There is some spot down in the bottom in the back where if you got creative... Um, you know, and for us, I'm putting 50 flights on it and then taking the components out. So it's kind of like, I don't want to go too crazy, but there is room where you, I believe that you could get a receiver and a BEC on the inside of the frame, uh, down in the back. Uh, you just have to kind of take that into consideration when, when you build it. This last year, as I was working through the RC Heli Nation Pilot Proficiency Program, it became crystal clear that tuning and setup were crucial to having a precise flying heli. Luckily, the Soko Heli tool can make an accurate setup seem effortless. In addition, the compatibility with iOS and Android raises the bar to a whole new level. If you're ready to get the most out of your setup, be sure to visit soko-heli-tools.com. All righty. Uh, looks, like I mentioned, this canopy, oh my God. I'm going to put this in one of my top three canopy designs of actually all time. I love it. I've never seen a pod and boom. In my opinion, this is the best pod and boom canopy that I've seen. Rivals right up there. And Justin, I know you know how I feel about the X7 formula canopy. Like, oh, yeah. That is so great. You mean just from an overall aesthetic standpoint or yep. visibility or what? Both. The The color scheme on this is great. I mean, great. I think the Volante upgrade is like a must to me. I understand it does kind of commit you to, you know, to the to the painted boom and the tail fan and all that. But I just really like the colors. But the lines on the canopy, there's vents in the front where they need to be already. It's it's a narrow style canopy. It's just, I mean, it's it's hard to describe, but it's like when you get that design and you're like, mm-hmm, yep, nothing about that I don't like. That's how I feel about this canopy design. One of my favorites, hands down, no question. It's a, I would say it's, it's on the thinner side as far as the canopy goes. It's just typical canopy grommets in the back and in the front. Nothing fancy. Again, keeping it simple. 
didn't have a problem getting getting the canopy on and off, and I also didn't have a problem fitting any battery that I wanted to in there, which is kind of nice. Uh, enough room for the Hobby Wing 100 on the top. No fan though; it would not fit with the fan. Uh, but I also don't think you really need it, so just kind of beside the point. Um, let's see, flying wise, you know, I gotta tell you, it's dialed. I was really shocked at how stable it was i would definitely say that on 520s this flew bigger uh you know what i have to compare it to would be like the traditional goblin 500 it did fly bigger than the goblin 500 i noticed the extra 20 millimeters um i had one one narrow rpm band and I can't tell you the number because it actually changes. It changes with what blades you put on it. I tried this with some 500 millimeter SABs and with the DTs. And it changes with the battery weight as well. Um, but there is a narrow, and I think it's a, a damper design, a very narrow band, which you get that cyclic shutter. You go slightly up, it's gone. Slightly down, it's gone. So I just want people to be aware of that. You can't go all the way from low, all the way to up high, flawlessly light right through the middle, like you can with some helicopters. So I, I'll put a little check mark against them for that. Outside of that up or down, amazing. This thing flies flies really big. The blades, I was <laughs> kind of, I mean, really blown away at how good the blades flew. Tons of pop. It tracks great. I didn't see any negative, like any negative flying tendencies. It just, it didn't have any. The tail held great. I immediately went out first flight, you know, obviously took a little bit to get used to the three digi and the tuning, which is, which is separate. But once I got that dialed in, as far as the heli goes, I was not, I had no problem tuning it any way that I wanted to whether I wanted the cyclic to be more rigid, whether I wanted it to, to flow a little bit more, soften it up a little bit. Um, it, it flew great. It flew like a model that would cost double that price. How about that? Okay. I put 50 flights on it. Again, I ran it all the way up through all the battery sizes, uh, head speeds. I really, really love the way that it flies with a 4100 milliamp pack i had one of those laying around and that just for me because i don't fly crazy high i know some of the guys that have them flying with 5000s and just love it i like it just a little bit lighter but what's nice is that it doesn't really need to be i was shocked i mean you know i honestly i kind of thought okay i'm gonna put a 4025 in this and then I'm going to put these full-size servos, and it's going to feel like a tank compared to my Goblin 500, which is what I had, you know, to fly really against, if I yeah, use that word. as a comparison. Yeah, did not. Did not at all. Very deceiving on what I kind of had to throw out what I thought was going to, it was going to fly like and just actually enjoy it and fly it. And that's what was really cool, I think. I, I think that's what, I I took away the most from this review is I set aside the name, I set aside my stipulations, and every time I picked it up in the air, 
I just flew it and enjoyed it. I had no mechanical issues with it whatsoever. After the first two flights, I went back and uh, retensioned the belt because it's new and it breaks in. Ooh, big deal. I just flew it and and I, I like that. The parts pricing is so reasonable on this. I mean, this is a, a fantastic, simple, I, I'm not even, see, I don't even want to call it entry level because it doesn't, the parts pricing makes it entry level. But the way that it flies says I'm absolutely not entry level. The features say I'm normal, but it doesn't fly like it's normal. You know what I mean? I've flown plenty of helicopters, lots of different brands in this size. Mm-hmm. And there's only very few that fly like great, you know, because in this 500, this 500 size, I think is like that awesome learning size. You know, you go up from the blade or from your T-Rex 450 or whatever. I love going to this size. I dig it. I think it's great. Keeps the crash cost down. And I think that's what this model will really get you. It will get you a ton of flights with a, a, a great bang for the buck as far as how many dollars you're going to put into it and how many flights you're going to get back out of it. And I don't think, you know what I was blown away is that even with that ghetto cheap ass motor, it just flew great. It didn't matter. So if I can go get a model that doesn't require, and that's another thing that's cool, buy whatever packs are on sale. You know what I mean? I mean, seriously, it'll, it can run them. Some helis are, well, it'll only fit this motor. Or, well, this pack, I can't get those in there because they won't fit or because I can't CG it right. Or, you know, like going down at first, I was thinking, oh man, standard servos is a little bit overkill. Guess what? You know how many different options there are for standard servo sizes out there? You can go all the way up to the most expensive ones damn near we can get to some really economical ones that are good servos. And it's and because it's not hard on them, you can get away with something that's more at the the quote unquote air quote lower end not lower end of quality but you know what i mean a price point so i really i feel like to get this model up and flying you don't it doesn't have any stipulations put in it what you can get and it that, that's all it requires it's it's like it just kind of sits back and is like yeah no i'm good yeah man let's just go fly i just want to go fly i don't care whatever you got put it in here We'll just make it go fly. Um, you know, crash-wise, just looking at it, obviously I didn't crash it. Looking at it, I do think that you're probably in a hard crash. You're going to, you know, obviously your typical boom, boom supports, you know, that route. I really like that it's built. It is way quiet. Way quiet. As in, like, it's quiet. Nice. <laughs> Belted tail with the herringbone. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably going to take out, obviously, skids. Um, there's a chance that you you might get the the little teeny side frame pieces in the front for the battery tray if you hit it down on the bottom in the front. 
not worried at all about the mainframe assemblies. I don't even know if you could get it to break with a shovel, truthfully. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's like an inch wide. And it has a ton of support in it. So, yeah, not worried about that at all. Overall, I think it's an incredible bang. Oh, yeah, that's right. I got to go back to my two. So here's my, uh, let's see, find my notes here. My two things that I would change. Um, One, I would be open-minded that you might want to mess with shimming in the damping. I, I did not do that, so we might be able to get that little 100 RPM range out of there if you wanted to. You might say, I don't know, I didn't even notice it because wherever you want to fly, it wasn't that spot. But I did notice it, so I feel like I should mention something. So that's one thing that I would that I would like to see them change. The other one is I would like to see a little bit better of a tail ratio. Um, for super hard 3D, you are relying on the 95s. That's a size bigger than this uh, size model would typically take. So I would like to see them address the tail ratio. I have heard that that is in the works. Um, they're actually just waiting for them to get in. I don't know if that means they've already been tested or not. But as far as this one, the way that we got it, um, that wasn't the case. Now, uh Sport Pilot, Light 3D, I my gut says I think that you could go with a size smaller, but I did not test that myself. I know that with it the way that it is, I, the tail held everything that I threw at it, no problem. So I think if I was to change anything, those are my two things. But overall, it flies amazing for the dollar. I would not change a single thing about the way that it flies in the air. Would not. No way. It's very locked in, very responsive. Nothing felt soggy, saggy, unresponsive, or nothing. Uh, It flew like a super top high-end model, um, and I couldn't be any happier with that. I think it's a model that you can get in the air for a... uh, and, And... do a very budget-friendly um, uh, build on and get something that flies incredible. So, yes, thank you, uh, Shannon, over at OnlyFineHellies.com for sending this. And, again, this is the DT520E belted V2 with the Volante upgrade on it. And the review will be up. Uh, the re- written review is already. So by the time you guys hear this, you can hop over to our website, check out the pictures. I got pictures of everything up there. And uh, yeah, you guys have any questions? I th- I think it's pretty freaking sweet because if anything, what I think it's done is sort of taken you back to basics to realize that you don't need all the crazy hardcore high technology, best of the best, most expensive, most powerful to get the job done. Yeah. Right? And that's that's pretty freaking cool. And the price is yeah. kind of unbeatable. Yeah, and that's the big thing. I, You know, a lot of, and this is something that I want to make sure people, these guys have been around for quite a while. I mean, they really have kind of quietly, but they've been there, and I just don't see them really going anywhere. Which, you know, that's kind of that's a big deal. Yep. 
in in the hobby today? Who do you feel? And I, I feel like when you get into this 500 size, it's like, well, you know, I could go with this one, but I don't know where they're going to be. Or I could go with that one. But even, I mean, I don't mean to like bring names into it, but, you know, the old T-Rex 500 is not the same as the new T-Rex 500. This is going to blow, uh, this will blow that clean out of the water. I mean, you're getting way more heli for the dollar. Hmm. You know, um, people are going to say, well, would you get this over a Goblin 500? Uh, they're they're close as far as like size-wise and that sort of a thing. Um, I think you have to want a Goblin to pick that one over this. Flying-wise, sorry, man, I love my Goblins to death, but flight performance-wise... It's it's there. I mean, this thing's there. I'll be honest. It's there. It flies great. It does. You just have to be... I guess, you know, hey, let's let's be honest. This is a hobby. We can be vain, right, Justin? Oh, hell <laughs> yes. Right? So, it's a simple helicopter. If you're simple and if you're okay with simple and if you're looking to get the most flights per your dollar and you smile at simple... I would highly recommend this. Absolutely. And you kind of get the added bonus of one of the sickest canopy shapes I've ever seen. <laughs> to me, that's just like a total added bonus. It's like the little chair. After changing my custom charging case about 12 times now, I've really come to appreciate what the guys at Progressive RC bring to the hobby. With a huge selection of charging accessories such as balance boards, charge leads, connectors, adapters, case fans, and more, you'll be sure to find exactly what you need to make your custom charging system really shine. And if you're not interested in going DIY style, then hit them up for one of their turnkey charging systems. Just choose your options and you'll be charging in no time. Head on over to www.progressiverc.com today and get that spark back into your hobby. Progressive RC, taking charging to the next level. You know what else we should do? I think we should celebrate that. Yeah. I agree. How are we going to do it? Well... So I got to thinking about this. Now, here's the deal. I'm a little sad because I enjoyed this. Like, I've really, really enjoyed flying this model. I love doing reviews. But when you get one that's good, it's like, oh, okay. All right. Thank God. Thank you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I've had a couple that didn't end up so hot. So it was like, oh, geez. You never know. Right, but to be able to start it and finish it all the way out is awesome. But I think what's so cool about that is I want someone to love this helicopter long time and to get it out there and fly it, put flights on it, love it and enjoy it. And I think that if you get it, you will. So the best thing that we could do to make that happen, I have it tore down. It's ready to go. I think we should give it away. I'm willing to do oh, it. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I'm willing to do it. I'm going to sacrifice it. Um, in, in the name of 
citizens. <laughs> and I think you guys will. Uh, I think you guys will really enjoy it. Shannon over at Only Fine Helis is awesome. Killer customer service. They've got parts in stock. Uh, I think you'll really love it. So Jesse, even though we've yes. got our new website, do we oh, yeah. still have winner winner chicken dinner? Nick, I'm I'm looking at the button right now. Larry, Woo-hoo! I love this Larry guy. You got Dan it. Larry. I think we should fire up the winner winner chicken dinner button. Kept it. Make it happen. We, we want to hit it. Let's do it. Let's hit it. All right, winner winner chicken dinner. Oh, here we go. It looks like the winner of this helicopter is going to be citizen number three hundred and eighty one. Three eighty one. Green. Who? Ian Green. Ian, Ian Green. Green. Nice. Citizen 381. Congrats, Ian. Nice. New well, helicopter. Ian. Man, that's awesome. You just listened. Got yourself an airframe. And got yourself a good airframe, too. So that makes me happy. <laughs> awesome. Double oh. bonus. <laughs> yeah, double bonus. I hope that you enjoy it. Sweet boys. Well, we this has been oh wow, what where are we at here? All right, Justin. Yes. We gotta do this. We're gonna pack it in. The editing guy, oh crap, that's me. Is gonna hate us for it. We have a listener question. We do. And I think that we should do it. We can't All dwell right. on it too long, but I think that we need to go for it. I think on this it. one I think this one can be pretty quick. And if people have questions coming out of it, then shoot them over and we'll uh we'll give yeah. it a try. I'm feeling very Charlie Sheen. I think we can make this happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so this question comes from a listener by the name of Landon. He is citizen number three seventy seven. Ooh, just missed yeah. the airframe <laughs> by by four, Landon. He's wow. like, I'll trade you the question ah, damn. for the DT. So uh, Landon says, hey, guys, Landon here. Love the show. I fly alone in a small town of British Columbia, Canada, and I'm yet to meet another heli pilot in real life. What? That sucks, dude. That really does Can't suck. Can't be that far away from We got to get him down here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, here we go. I sent a question to questions at RC Heli Nation a while back and never got a reply. Yeah, well, all right, here's the deal. We had some email issues with that one. So if anyone, if you guys did send one in, we've answered all of the ones that we've got. But part of our big website upgrade was Larry did some great work on the spam control and have fixed our email issues. Wait, did he? Because I'm still getting blasted. Dude. No, he did. He said it's going to take a while. A little yeah, bit. it's going to take a while. All but right, he right. he went in and, and cleaned up some stuff and changed some settings. So if you guys don't hear back, these are things we love to do. Like we love to do. Yeah, the we have questions. done every one that so, we've got. Like yeah. send one to all of us. Uh, whatever. I mean, you send it to questions. But if you don't hear back, then send it to one of us. We will figure it out. Yep. Yeah, Landon speculates that perhaps it was too stupid a question to answer, and that Never. is absolutely not the case. There's no such thing. We will answer it if we receive it. If you so heard a conversation that, with Justin when the microphone's off, you would not feel that way, Landon. 
Okay, so what he says is, I'm just wondering what I should do when I pull out a Loctited bolt from my heli. Do I replace it? It seems the thread lock residue gets in between the threads. I've tried scraping it off, scraping off the residue, which doesn't work very well. And I've also tried letting the bolt sit in alcohol or acetone with no luck. As you can tell, I'm a complete noob, so I was hoping one of you guys could chime in and let me know what to do with previously Loctited bolts. I try not to apply too much Loctite, but it seems no matter the amount, there is always gunk in the threads when I pull it out. Cheers and hope to make it to a fun fly sometime. You guys are only about seven hours drive from me. Not too shabby. Ah. Yeah. So first of all, you definitely need to come down and fly with us. That would be awesome, especially if you've never flown with another heli pilot. Yeah. But on to the question. This actually is a hell of a lot more common of a question than I think a lot of people realize. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's one of those things where we all take for granted that we're a part of this big heli community and we talk about our build and our crash and our flight experiences on a regular basis. But like a lot of things, if you don't fly with a bunch of people or wrench with a bunch of people, you just don't have perspective for what someone does. Right. Yeah. Uh, so my personal experience on this is that it's better actually to leave the thread lock residue on there um, and just add a little bit more because when you do that, it will cause that uh, old thread lock to get a little gummy and it actually helps get stuff stuck back together again. Um, now, you can clean it. When I have tried to, when you've got like a really caked up fastener, uh, I'll soak it in alcohol to kind of soften it up a bit. But as you already mentioned, Landon, that doesn't do all that much. And then I end up having to go through the threads with a uh, with a exacto knife or what I find is using uh, tap dies. So uh, basically to to kind of. Uh, run through those threads and clean everything else up. I I don't think it's that big of a deal to do, but it's time spent that I don't think adds any value. The Loctite itself, the old stuff, is not going to uh, is not going to cause any issues. It's not going to uh, reduce the ability of the new Loctite to hold things in place, or at least it never has in my experience. So take it out, you know, maybe brush off some of the excess and then goop it back up and go for it. All right, I'm going to give you my scoop on it. (laughs) All of your non-critical, we're going to divide these into non-critical, and this is my personal personal take on it. So non-critical stuff, which would be all of like your bolts on your frame, right? If you need to take your gyro tray off and and you pull out two on one side, two on the other, put a little dab of Loctite back on the screw and run it back in, t- tighten it down. So the, all of those, that's what I do. I don't bother cleaning them because I'm really not that using using that much in the first place. Now, my critical bolts, which I would call spindle bolts, feathering shaft bolts, tail, um, parts. tail parts, that sort of a thing. Here's what you do. This is the shiznit, okay? Take yourself down to, I don't know what you guys have up there, Canadian Tire, something like that. Um Justin, I think you've got one. Jesse, you might even have one. We got those little twenty-five dollar um, electric screw guns that we all use, hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, with your um, this is a this is a must-have anyway. 
because they're just awesome. If you're going to build a lot, get yourself one. Real low voltage one, like 7.2, go slow, get a couple bits for it. So now you put that screw on that bit in your drill, and you get yourself a piece of what's called Scotch-Brite. It looks like the stuff your wife or your mom or whoever it is cleans out the sink with. You take that, you wrap that around that bolt, you run it in reverse. You squeeze down tight around the Scotch-Brite, and you run that drill at full speed. You remove the Scotch-Brite, and the bolt will be the shiniest, brandiest new bolt you've ever seen. Awesome trick. I've been doing this for a long time. That is also a great way to, um, if you have burring on a shaft or anything, you can kind of chuck it up in a regular drill and use Scotch-Brite. Scotch-Brite works great for that. So for the super gunked up ones that are critical, I do that. I don't put any cleaner on them. I just use Scotch-Brite, run it, really get that. It's amazing how well it cleans. And then um, from there, I'll just wipe it off with a, with a paper towel, reapply my Loctite, tighten it back down. So that's how I do it. Nice. Yeah, for me, I, I'm basically the same thing as Justin. Most of the time, when I mean, when they're brand new, soak them in alcohol, get the original oil off them, that type of stuff. But once they're coming out, I'll uh, pull the helicopter apart, dab a little bit more Loctite on there, and thread them back in. Now, when I do get one that is you know, really gunked up, or if, if I feel that somehow I want to get all the excess old Loctite off. I actually have a little like wire wheel attachment for my Dremel. Um, and so I'll throw it on the head of a driver or grab it with a pair of pliers and I can just use a little wire wheel attachment on the Dremel and that takes everything off of the screw. Sounds similar to the Scotch-Brite. Um, yeah, actually, I've used that method before too, Jesse. It's like when you get the big like M4 motor bolts yeah, where you're really yep. just blasting them hard and yep. with Loctite and they've got coarse pitch threads, so it's easy to get gunked up in there. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. I mean, that, so, uh, those sorts of things I will clean, but if it's just like a small screw, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Yep, same thing. So no, I, I have cleaned off a couple of them with the Dremel and the wire wheel, but yeah, for the most part, just... Reapply a little bit more and retighten it back down. I've never, never has caused me an issue. Now, it sounds like you guys only use a little bit of Loctite. I use adequate. I use offensive amounts of Loctite. (laughs) When you use it. Like, here's the deal, right? (laughs) I don't always use Loctite, but when I do, do, I overuse it. Yes. So, I mean, it is not an uncommon occurrence when I'm doing maintenance on a heli to unscrew a frame bolt, uh, and as I'm doing so, white powder is falling from the shank onto the helicopter and the bench area as the dried Loctite gets sort of peeled away and cracked away. That's excessive. That's a lot. Some bitches ain't going to move. No, I hear you. I hear you. Well, hopefully that answered his question. Yep. Thanks for the question, Landon. Sorry it took so long to get to it. Awesome. Well, boys, let's get out of here. This has been a long one. I got to get some sleep. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so store. We still have some apparel in the store. So head on over. Check that out if you're looking to get some gear for the upcoming flying season. Uh, don't forget, everyone, send in your events. Who are we sending those to now? I don't even remember. Ken? 
Yeah. Ken, yep. Yep. Send your events to Ken at rchelynation.com. He will get those put up in the calendar, and then you can also subscribe to that calendar, and it will go right to your phone and or laptop, and we can get all those events on there, and everyone can share the same calendar, so you make sure and don't miss anything. Uh, let's see. Is that it? I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah. All righty. Who wants to take us out? Jesse, you do it this time. All right. This has been episode 220. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this show as much as we've enjoyed making it. We will talk to you guys next Monday. Yeah, have a good week. Later, dudes. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation, LLC, and is brought to you by Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, and Spartan Flybarless Systems. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to send us an email. <laughs>